This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. This is Unsportsmanlike with Evan Candy and Michelle coming to you live from the seaport brought to you by Patron. Perfection starts with Mama Patron. used to say. <laughs> Mama used to say, won't you catch the ball, Kansas City Chiefs. I like that. The, uh, this is going to sound fascinating in the podcast edition of our show because <laughs> for those who aren't aware, normally I'm the butt of the joke. CeCe may have the isolated solo later, which is uh, the music is taken out during the podcast, wherever podcasts are found. But we would strongly encourage you to find them on the ESPN app. That would be wonderful. Um, yeah, you hear solo singing with no music underneath. All right, we're going to get to the Kansas City-Philadelphia game in a second. But, but. That Cleveland Browns defense did it. Matt Canada has been fired as the offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers, initially reported by our very own Adam Schefter. The Steelers have since put out a statement, and they have done something that I don't believe that they have done since the Chuck Knoll era, which is an in-season firing of any coach at any level, if I'm not mistaken, we can double-check on this. Is obviously the news just coming across now with the Steelers making this move to fire their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. We've obviously seen very little, if any, actually probably no growth at all with their quarterback, Kenny Pickett, this year. Maybe some regression. Um, Mike Tomlin's statement, Matt Canada has been relieved of his duties as offensive coordinator. I appreciate Matt's hard work work and dedication, and I wish him the best moving forward in his career. All right, CeCe, break this down for us. What does it mean on a Tuesday firing? They could have done it Sunday night. They could have done it yesterday. How do we get to Tuesday, and what does this mean? What does this tell you about the Pittsburgh Steelers right now? Well, let's not overthink this, Ev. It just shows you how bad they are at offense, and in today's NFL, you have to be able to throw the football. We just came off of a game where the Steelers averaged 2.5 yards per pass play. How is that even possible? I've quite literally never seen it. Think about how bad the Jets were and Zach Wilson was in Buffalo on Sunday. They averaged 2.6 yards per pass play. So that's the territory. That's the company that Kenny Pickett is keeping. And on the season, KP is bottom five in QBR and in passer rating. It's bad no matter how you want to slice it. And we can point to a lot of different reasons why. You can talk about the offensive line that's been rebuilt and shuffled over the past couple of years. You can point to the the receivers not necessarily being on the same page or the offensive coordinator not being good enough. But I think this ultimately comes down to Kenny Pickett not panning out the way that the Steelers front office thought he would. They drafted him as high as they drafted him because they thought that a guy that was a four-year starter at Pittsburgh, somebody that they had seen, in their building across the hall, was ready to step in and help this team to compete at a high level. And instead, you're talking about this team trying to overcome not just the opponent on the field on Sundays, but their own quarterback. So firing Matt Canada was a move that had to be made. To me, this is just the first step. But we're inching closer and closer toward the organization making the decision to sit Kenny Pickett on the bench in lieu of somebody else as the other option. Yeah, when you rank at the bottom or near the bottom in most offensive categories, it's going to be hard to keep your job. But I think even though a lot of Steelers fans were not pleased with the play calling that Matt Canada had drawn up, 
we we saw Ken Dorsey get fired days ago, guys. Like this is what happens with offensive coordinators. You sometimes are the one that has to pay the bill because of your quarterback's deficiencies. And whether it's Josh Allen and the turnovers or the lack of progress we've seen with Kenny Pickett, something had to change. And going the offensive coordinator route is usually the first step. Okay, a couple of things on this I just want to point out. I, I have forever contended, and I still believe this, that I think most of the time it's ridiculous for quarterbacks to start in year one of their career. And I understand that that's not a popular take. I get it. And I'm not going to sit here and say, well, if Zach Wilson had the redshirt year or if Kenny Pickett had the full redshirt year, and I know obviously Mitch Trubisky started early on, but, I mean, he did play 13 games last year. But I just think some of these guys just flat out aren't ready. Outside looking in, I cannot imagine what it's like to leave Virginia and go to the Cowboys, as CC did, right? And that's a deep, different position. I still think it's unbelievably impossible that CC obviously was able to accomplish not just for one year, but for 11 years, Super Bowl winner in the NFL. That I think some of these quarterbacks are never going to pan out, and people are going to get fired because we are looking for too much too soon. And Kenny Pickett and Zach Wilson would be two of the examples of that where they just probably should never have been playing this early in their career. Ever. Kenny Pickett was 24 years old as a rookie, though, Ev. I understand like, that. He wasn't ready. rookie. What'd you say? I understand that, and I understand the age. But in terms of level of experience, I still don't think he was ready, obviously. I mean, listen, I... I, I... I, I hear you, but I mean, I, I look at what their record was as a team the previous season, and you're talking about them starting off. What was it, three and six, and finishing with a nine and eight record? So I mean, I start off two two and six, excuse me, and finishing nine and eight. I mean, for them to be able to have that kind of turnaround and Kenny Pickett to be a part of the signs of growth, I thought that would be the springboard to his sophomore season, and he's regressed. What I saw in the second half of 2022 versus the version of Kenny Pickett that I'm seeing now is not the same. And I guess that's the part that's most alarming. I probably understand why you got to get rid of Matt Canada. But if the player is showing clear signs of regression and, and you're moving on from the coach, I guess the next step would have to be to hold Kenny Pickett accountable. Now, we can say it's because you don't think he's ready. But this is not an organization that fumbles the bag when it comes to drafting and developing quarterbacks. That's not who the Steelers are. So if you can't develop properly in this environment with that defense and those weapons to throw the football to and with Jalen Warren and Najee Harris accounting for, what, 160 rush yards on Sunday, if you can't get it done with that, I, I, I don't know if you're ever going to be able to get it done. Fair. I totally understand, and I think you're right, obviously, to, to combat my take with the organization because mm -hmm. it's the Steelers, right, and it's Mike Tomlin, and they deserve that level of trust, um, at least I believe. So there's your breaking news. Matt Canada out with the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator. But, of course, the big story today has been Kansas City, Philadelphia. The Eagles win on Monday Night Football last night over the Chiefs at Arrowhead. So I ask you guys this, more of the true feeling for you today. How excited you are about the Eagles or how nervous you are about the Chiefs? Smalls? Uh, I would probably I'll say excited about the Eagles. I mean, to be able to go on the road and beat the Kansas City Chiefs, get your lick back from Super Bowl 57 and actually take care of your business. With them coming off of a bye week, knowing how good Andy Reid is off of bye weeks, I think he was 21-3 and three as the Chiefs head coach off of bye weeks. To be able to get it done under those circumstances, that's good on you. Credit to them for that. Uh, being able to 
force the red zone takeaways, being able to run the football. I mean, we had a DeAndre Swift signing. Who knew that he was good at running the football? (laughs) Then you actually saw more of the design runs with Jalen Hurts. I think that's something that they're going to need down the stretch because that's what made that offense dynamic last year. That's what made them one of the toughest outfits to stop in the NFL was Jalen Hurts being able to use his legs as a runner, and you saw the QB draws early and often in yesterday's game. So I think those elements have me excited about the Philadelphia Eagles potentially getting back to the Super Bowl because you don't see a lot of teams that lose the Super Bowl and then get back to the big game and win it. I think the last instance that we have is the New England Patriots in 2017 and 2018 to be able to get that done. But, I mean, you're talking about Tom Brady being the quarterback. Like, that. that's, that's a different level of special. And I think Jalen Hurts has some of that in him, which is why I was impressed that he was able to take the show on the road and beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Yeah, I'm with CeCe on this one, Ev. I'm more excited about the Philadelphia Eagles than I am worried about the Kansas City Chiefs, although I do have some concerns about the Chiefs' offense. But even though we have seen Philadelphia not look 100% like themselves, they keep finding ways to win. I don't know, when I watch this team – It just feels like they have another gear in them still, which is really exciting to me that we're watching them build as the season goes on and build into the right time. Um, They went into a tough environment last night against a great opponent, bad weather. They had injuries that they had to overcome. I just thought that was such a great win for the Eagles, even though Kansas City did uh, had some self-inflicted wounds that helped contribute to them. But, you know, when you when you look at the Chiefs, the fact that they lost to Denver and that Denver could have beaten them twice, there's just some some pockets this season where they haven't looked as dominant as they had to me in years past. You know, it's funny. I, I look at Patrick Mahomes today, and I wonder what's going through his mind, right? Now, he had a bad interception in the red zone. His go-to guy, Travis Kelsey, had a bad fumble in the red zone. Three bad drops on that final drive to potentially win a game. He got tons from his running game. He is as no-maintenance as any star quarterback we've ever seen, right? At least publicly. I didn't say low with an L. I said no with an N, right? There's a difference between low maintenance and no maintenance. He feels more no maintenance than anything else. Like, he is the easiest person to coach, manage, and be a teammate with. He has not thrown anyone under the bus. But I do wonder where his frustration is going today. I do wonder whether or not he's had that private conversation with Andy Reid. Like, what are we doing here? How are we in this situation where we clearly beat the best team in the NFC, now the best team in the NFL, and we gave them the the win? Like, we had it won, mm-hmm. and we gave it to him. Where do you think his outrage is going today, if anywhere, guys? I think his outrage is probably pointed toward himself. Like, he expects better. The interception in the red zone, that's a throw that can't happen. The Travis Kelsey fumble in the red zone is a play that can't happen. You take away either one of those plays, and you're probably talking about a different result for this team. And I think that's what they focus on. I mean, yeah, would it be nice if Justin Watson and MVS would catch the football? Sure. Nobody's debating that. But I think Pat Mahomes is a player uh, that's going to look at himself before he looks at anybody else in terms of the things that he can do better. But the one thing that I would say about this Chiefs team is that they were able to run the football, and that's something that served them well in the Super Bowl last year against the Eagles. They ran the ball with Isaiah Pacheco, let him beat the hammer for that offense, and you saw that again last night. Ev, you pointed that out earlier in the show. It felt like he was running for 10 yards a clip in the first half. 
And I mean, that, that, that's what you want. Yeah, being able to run the football effectively sets up opportunities where guys can get down the field in one-on-one situations. The Chiefs just have to do a better job of converting when those opportunities happen. They also have to do a better job of converting in the red zone. And then the lulls that we see in the scoring, especially when it comes to the second half, is one of those that you have to be you know, you have to raise an eyebrow about. You're talking about a team that hasn't scored in the second half of three straight games. They've got to fix that because before, once upon a time, we used to say no lead is safe with Pat Mahomes because he's going to be able to eat into it the way that they can throw the football. Now, even with the lead, you're saying, I don't know the lead is safe with Pat Mahomes because they don't score in the second half. That's something that they got to fix if they're going to go on another playoff run. Yeah, what's amazing about what you just said, obviously phenomenal analysis there from CeCe. So now I hear that and I'm like, all right, if I'm a Chiefs fan and I'm glass half full, defense, check. Running game, check. Special teams, the kicker has not missed the kick and we saw actually positive returns from Kadarius Tony last night. Check. So you're saying that the one thing in between me and winning the Super Bowl is Pat Mahomes and the offense clicking? <laughs> and the, excuse me, the passing game clicking? All right, I feel good about that. Like, in, in a weird way, the analysis by leaving out the passing now has flipped my thinking, CC, of thinking, all right, maybe I can be glass half full if I'm a Chiefs fan today because that's the one thing I need to rely on? Okay, maybe that makes some sense. Does that well, let me fill yeah. it up a little bit more, Ev. Yeah, yeah. When you look at the remaining schedule of the division leaders in the AFC, nobody has an easier schedule than the Kansas City Chiefs. So we're talking about winning in the playoffs. More likely than not, those other teams in the conference are going to have to come to Arrowhead. So you feel even better knowing that Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, they'll probably be at home for those games. All right, we're no longer worried about the Chiefs. We'll see where they (laughs) end up in the power rankings despite the loss last night with CC. Plus, Smalls has her Thanksgiving power rankings as well. We're on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. It's time for Canty's NFL Power Rankings. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. There are three major NFL stories over the last 24 hours. I'm going to guess only one of them impacts the power rankings. Story one, Eagles over the Chiefs last night, Monday Night Football. Story two, Matt Canada fired by the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator. Story three, the Jets bench Zach Wilson. Chris Canty, is this a safe bet that only one of those stories impacts your power rankings today? Pretty sure that's a safe bet, Ev. Pretty sure. ESPN that's a great bet. Call Do you have you. that? Do you have that on ESPN yeah, with, bet? With, with, with a high degree of certainty, I, I can say that only one of those storylines <laughs> impacts the power rankings. But, Javante, without further ado, let's kick this thing off. Number five. 
I got the Detroit Lions. 3-1-3, stand up. I know that brings a smile to Javante Lawrence's face. Congratulations to him and his team because it almost looked like a situation where you were going to catch the fade against the Chicago Bears, one of the worst teams in football. But even though you got outplayed for 56 minutes, you found a way on back-to-back drives to drive the length of the field and get touchdowns. And then, of course, the exclamation point being David Montgomery punching it in against his former team for the go-ahead score. And then Aiden Hutchinson adding a, a sack fumble safety for good measure. But the Detroit Lions found a way to win. That's what good teams do. You can be a good team and have some stinkers. We saw the Eagles lose to the Jets. We saw the Chiefs lose to the Broncos. It happens. But the Detroit Lions found a way to be on the right side of a bad football game that they played. When you can win games without throwing your fastball, that's an impressive, impressive nod that speaks to the character of this team. I'm buying in Detroit Lions. Next. Number four. I got the San Francisco 49ers. It's a different team when they're healthy. It's night and day. When you got Trent Williams, when you got Debo Samuels, who knew that the offense would average over 30 points a game? When you don't have them, the offense was averaging 17 points a game. Who knew that having those guys would be that big of a difference? But more so than any of the other contending teams, I think the 49ers depend on health in order to get to the the championship rounds, to go on a deep playoff run. If you told me today that the 49ers would have everybody healthy on the offensive side of the ball – I would tell you that the 49ers are guaranteed to be in the NFC Championship game once again. That's how confident I am when they have their full cast of characters. Now, they're going to be missing their all-pro safety. Talanoa Hafunga, he's got a torn ACL. He's going to be out the remainder of the season. So they got to figure out some things on the back end. But you know what helps your secondary? Your pass rush. And they just added Chase Young a few weeks ago. The 49ers defense will be fine. The offense is going to be great. And I think that's why they're poised to go on another deep playoff run. Next. Number three. The Baltimore Ravens. I mean, they took care of their business against the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow's out for the season. But uh, it felt like the the Ravens were well on their way to taking control of that game. Now, in the process, they seemingly lost Mark Andrews for the season. But we got word yesterday from John Harbaugh that Mark Andrews might actually have a chance to return later on in the regular season, and for a playoff run. So when you think about the Ravens' offense, especially in the red zone, their passing offense runs through Mark Andrews. They got 11 red zone passing touchdowns on the season, six of those from Mark Andrews. So, I mean, having him back is a huge chess piece for Lamar Jackson and for their offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. I am bullish on the Baltimore Ravens. Next. Number two. The Kansas City Chiefs is Andy Reid. It's Pat Mahomes. I would say what's understood ain't got to be said, but last night after the loss, I feel like we do have to point out the things they need to clean up. Red zone offense, they're 15th in the NFL. Last year they were top five. If you looked at um, the, the conference championship weekend, three of the top five teams in red zone efficiency played on that weekend. So red zone is an important element to trying to compete at a championship level. So they got to get the red zone cleaned up. They got to get the second half scoring figured out. They got to find a way to make adjustments to the adjustments that opposing defenses are doing at halftime. And then, of course, making sure that those receivers catch the football. 26 drops through the first 10 games that leads the NFL. That has got to get fixed. But the Kansas City Chiefs will likely once again be hosting the conference championship game. Next. Number one. The Philadelphia Eagles. Can't say how impressive it is to be down double digits on the road against the, I guess, 
one of the best two teams in football in the Chiefs, and find a way to win that football game. Devontae Smith with that older-to-shoulder grab to set up go-ahead points. Like, that was really, really impressive. They found a way on offense to get it done despite the Chiefs and Steve Spagnola taking A.J. Brown completely out of the game. A.J. Brown only one catch for eight yards on four targets. He was a non-factor, but Devontae Smith and DeAndre Swift were factors, and then Jalen Hurts using his leg is what takes this offense up another notch. If they can continue to trend in that direction on the offense and be that dynamic, then they're likely going to be in another conference championship game. So that's the list, Smalls. You're my accountability partner. Any objections, any omissions? I love the list, CC. I think it's perfect this week. After the top four, I draw a line, and I think that fifth spot, while I'm with you, I would give it to the Lions. That's usually where I think if I'm in a fan base that didn't make the power rankings – Who is going to be upset today? What about the Cleveland Browns? I know that they have questions at the quarterback position, but with a win over Pittsburgh, they might have something to say about the power rankings and their omission. Yeah, I wasn't impressed by how DTR and Kevin Stefanski managed that game. They're going to have to throw the ball down the field. Other defenses are going to look at what they did against the Steelers and say, we're just going to stop you from throwing the ball short and dare you to throw deep. We're not going to let you run the football. What are you going to do then? That's the part that scares me. Like, I mean, there was a stretch, I believe, in the second half where the two of the three drives that the Browns had took up less than a minute of game clock. And it would have been three consecutive drives taking up less than a minute of game clock had Alex Highsmith not got a roughing the passer call on DTR because he hit him high. I, I just I, – I don't trust this offense, and I get that their defense is all world, but at some point your offense is going to have to move the ball – and you saw that in that last drive. I don't know if Stefanski and DTR need to have more no huddle in order to standardize the defense to create a cleaner picture at the line of scrimmage for a young quarterback, but they got to do something to threaten opposing defenses down the field. Otherwise, this team ain't going to make the playoffs. All right, let's get to Small's power rankings here. It is Thanksgiving on Thursday, which means we got to do Thanksgiving side power rankings, Smalls. Checking in at number two. It's usually the darling of Thanksgiving. It's sweet potatoes. I don't care how you make them. You could bake them. You could candy them. You could do the classic casserole with the marshmallows on top. You could souffle them. They're far superior to mashed potatoes or any other regular potatoes. Hello. Sweet potato checking in at number two. Well, when you say they're far superior in your eyes and CeCe's eyes, not the world's eyes, because we put it in the Dr. Pepper inbox at Unsports ESPN, and mashed potatoes up 83.5% to sweet potatoes 16.5%. Just I'm willing saying. to die on the sweet potato hill. So I'm willing I. to die on it. Seems like you're going to have to because you're alone on this, I will, I'm willing to die on the hill. I mean, I just there's no world in which somebody says, yeah, give me the regular fries over the sweet potato fries. I would say <laughs> that. Like, there's no, like, there's, I you would say that. You don't, listen, the versatility of the sweet potato alone, I mean, the fact that you could actually put it in a pie, but mm-hmm. you, could, you could souffle it, you can go with the can- You can do so many different things with the sweet potato. How dare somebody disparaged the sweet potato in lieu of the mashed potatoes. I don't understand that. It's not disparaging the sweet potato as much as it is just ranking the mashed potato above it. You could say LeBron is an all-time great player and say he's not Michael. 
I mean, two can be true. You're making my point for me. Ev. How? Everybody tries to knock Michael Jordan down if they want to push up LeBron and vice versa. Mm-hmm. That always happens. There's no way There's no way around it. We are drawing lines and, and picking sides when it comes to the sweet potato versus the mashed potato. You can't be, you know, both sides, both, you know, good people on both sides. It's, it's are you with the mashed potato people or are you with the sweet potato people? You can't be anywhere in the middle. Sorry. Correct. And CeCe and I are firmly on the right side of history with this one when well, it comes to potatoes. One. Tell All that right. to America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. All right, number one, Smalls? Number one, if it's Thanksgiving, there's got to be turkey and there's got to be stuffing. Stuffing, checking in at number one for me. My family does it beautifully. We do um, an Italian bread that we rip apart. It's a little crusty. And we have a spicy Italian sausage that we work in there. It's amazing. Stuffing, number one on the side's power rankings. Yeah, I think it's a major omission. The greatest undrafted free agent of all time in the history of sports is now macaroni and cheese because mac and cheese as a side, whether you're having the turkey or in the canty house, the duck, it does not matter. Give me a great bowl, plate, whatever it is, of macaroni and cheese. There's never been an undrafted free agent better than macaroni and cheese. Yeah, yeah macaroni and cheese. I don't know that macaroni and cheese is undrafted, though. Macaroni and cheese has got to be a draft pick, no? She didn't draft him. We well, gave, I only we had gave two her options. picks. I only had right? two and options. Like, that's like the Jaguars weren't drafted for you. The Dolphins weren't yeah, drafted. Or I, don't, I don't know that Lions I can, I can were, put. I can't put sweet weren't. potatoes or mashed potatoes over macaroni and cheese. Exactly right. Exactly right. That ain't going to happen. Uh, one guy was drafted 199 overall. The guy who drafted him is under some pressure right now, maybe more than ever before. Did 199 defend his coach? We'll find out next on Sportsman Like ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. She is Michelle Smallman, who's dancing. You have such trouble with my name this week. Change your name, please. please. Too many, it's a lot of L's. Me. It's a lot of L's. I'm not going to lie. She's Smalls. He's Cece. I'm Evan. We are on Sportsman Like here on ESPN Radio. Adam <laughs> Schefter just tweeted, asked this morning, 
Who would be the Patriots starting quarterback on Sunday versus the Giants? Bill Belichick said, I've told everybody to be ready to go. I've told every player to be ready to play. <laughs> Speaking of a lot of L's. Oh. oh. <laughs> see, amazing. See, why Just you got to go do that? I mean, really? That was an all-time dunk. Well, by the way, before we get into we have we have really interesting sound uh, coming up here from Tom Brady with Stephen A. Smith. But while we're on this, who's rooting for what this weekend? I know we're going to get into this later in the week, but we got Giants and Patriots. It's in the best-case scenario for both teams to take more of those L's. I can't root for my team to lose in-game. Um, but... CC, are you going to root for the Giants to lose? No. Yeah, neither. No. See, that's the I, thing. I feel like the loser should take the winner out to dinner because the winner is actually the loser in this situation. It's upside down. It makes no sense. <laughs> I'm We're living in the twilight zone right now when it comes to the Giants and the Patriots. That's how bad it is. Neither fan base wants either team to win. Right now, looking at where the Giants pick at, I'm concerned that the Titans and the Commanders are going to leapfrog us. So I'm already out of the Caleb Williams, Drake May sweepstakes. But, I mean, now I'm worried about the next tier of quarterbacks that could potentially go in the first round with J.J. McCarthy and Michael Penix Jr. and, and guys like that. So, yeah, I, no, I don't feel good about where the Giants are at right now. And I'm sorry, it's hard for me to root for them to win. Now, if they do win, I'm going to enjoy the win, and I'll be mad about it in April, but that's just how this thing is going to go, Ev. I think that is exactly the right way of going about it. Unlike Nuno, our producer, who openly roots against his team, the Giants, which he now claims, I'm not rooting against the Giants, I'm just rooting for the other team. Yeah. <laughs> that was his big theme against with Washington. I, I mean, what's wrong No, 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 with hold, that? hold on, hold on, yeah. hold on, hold on. Ev, just so we're clear, I'm closer to Nuno than I am to you. Ooh. I understand So I'll that. root against my team. During the game, but if they win the game, then I'm gonna enjoy it the next day because we not victory Mondays are harder. Like I'm gonna enjoy it the next day, and then I'll be miserable about it again <laughs> when we get to April. Yeah, if that no, makes sense. I was not rooting against the Giants. Yeah. I was rooting for the Commanders to actually do something because someone on this show, I don't know if they owe us a buck or not, had predicted that the Commanders would make the playoffs, right? And that was their opportunity to show it. And what do they show? Nothing. Not a thing. I thought I already put a dollar in for the back commander's team. I don't know. Mm, I don't know. I don't remember. We should why probably try, why keep are you trying track to track of this. <laughs> we should already put a dollar in for it. We, you know how like you balance again back in the day, kids. You balance the bank account. You keep you keep track of all the stuff. We probably should have done that because we have money in this bad take jar on the desk here on set yeah. on ESPNU. Except we have no idea where these this money actually came from relative to the takes. Where are you so, well, most of it came yeah, from Canty. Here's the thing, F. We know I put a dollar in for my bad Cincinnati's take, my quote unquote bad Bengals take right. that they were done after starting one and three. So if if I didn't put a dollar in for the Commanders, just go ahead and keep that dollar from the Bengals take rather than giving it back to me. You know what I'm saying? You're reallocating your dollar. You're here reallocating what... the the dollar. <laughs> Let's just do it that way. I don't I know can, that you can do that. Can you? I'm sure you can. Yeah, we can make our own rules here. Now, am I going to have to put a dollar in for my Bengals take, even though no, it's not because of out. performance, it's because of injury? You got it out. Okay. You got okay. it out. I just want to be fair, make yeah. sure that I, I'm doing my end Burrow of the bookkeeping. Burrow gets hurt. You're, you're actually talking about a completely different team than you were the day before, okay. obviously. All right. I mentioned Tom Brady had something to say. He was a guest with Stephen A. Smith, the Stephen A. Smith Show, Stephen A.'s podcast. And here is what Brady had to say on the now, I guess, embattled head coach that is Bill Bell. I think he's an incredible coach. He's the best coach 
in my belief in the, in the history of the game. So, I mean, I don't know. Get, uh, the thought of him not being in New England is hard for me to think about. Wow. So I, I think he's he's he prepares the team really well. And ultimately, you got to have a lot of people around you to succeed. You got to have a lot of things in place for the organization to be successful. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's probably coaching much difference now than when we were undefeated in 2007. Right. I'm sure he's preparing the team the same way. The results are different, but again, that's why the sport's so challenging. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons why teams win or lose. The head coach is a very small part on game day. The quarterback plays a really big part on game day. Not mm-hmm. the entire thing, but because you touch the ball, you have a big opportunity to impact the game. So if you get good quarterback play, and that says nothing about, the, you know, I'm just talking in general about football, right. you know, you got an advantage. If you play really good defense, you've got a, a, a great advantage. I mean, you need a good defensive coordinator. You know, there's a, ultimately it's a lot of things coming together, why things work and why they don't. How can you not love Brady? Oh, my God. He's he's the biggest Belichick defender besides me, basically, at that point. But he did have a couple of slip-ins there, right? And Belichick, I don't think, would disagree with this. The quarterback and the players win games. The coaches lose games. Sunday's about the players and not the coaches, necessarily. But he also had the, if you get great quarterback play, which um, New England doesn't have, the Giants don't have, the Steelers don't have. It's amazing. These historical, traditional franchises Mm -hmm. have been disastrous in terms of that. Now, he also gave another interesting take on kind of the state of the NFL right now. I think there's a lot of mediocrity in today's NFL. I don't see the excellence that I saw in the past. I think the coaching isn't as, as good as it was. I don't think the development of young players is as good as it was. The rules have allowed a lot of bad habits to get into the actual performance of the game. So I just think the product, in my opinion, is less than what it's been. I think I look at a lot of players like Ray Lewis and Rodney Harrison and Ronnie Lott and guys that impacted the game in, in a certain way. And every hit they would have made would have been a penalty. You hear coaches complaining about their own player being tackled. Why don't they talk to their player about how to protect himself? We used to work on the fundamentals of those things all the time. Now they're trying to be regulated all the time. Offensive players need to protect themselves. It's not up to a defensive player to protect the offensive player. A defensive player needs to protect himself. I didn't throw the ball to certain areas because I was afraid players were going to get knocked out. That's the reality. Wow. I didn't throw it to the middle when I played Ray Lewis because you knock him out of the game and I couldn't afford to lose a good player. CC, your reaction to that one? Because that one maybe is obviously more mass appeal than the first comment there. But what do you think about what Brady said about the mediocrity in the league today? Yeah, I mean, I, I, he's not wrong. I, I mean, certain certain bad habits do crop up as a result of players being able to get away with things with rule changes. So I, I get where he's coming from with that one. But I also understand where the NFL was in their position because of the player safety lawsuits, the concussions in 2010, they had to make a change. Otherwise, Congress threatened to step in and regulate it for the NFL. And that's not what the NFL wants. They want to govern themselves. They don't want some other authoritative body to have control over how they operate their business models. So I I get both sides of it, but the reality is we're here now in today's game. And I think that, you know, a lot of the rules are slanted toward the offense, not just because – you know, that's in the interest of player safety, but it's also, you know, the entertainment product that most people want to see. So for football purists, it might not necessarily be the best, but guess what? If you're a football purist, the NFL has already got you as a fan. You're not the target audience at that point. They're trying to have mass appeal. They're trying to grow the game, both internationally and domestically. So offense is what helps you do that. Watching 10, 13 ball games like we saw with the Steelers and Browns, not so much.
Absolutely. And this year has felt off to me. There, How many times have we had the conversation? How many teams are actually good? You know, there hasn't been the level of dominance, particularly offensive dominance that we've seen in the past, as Brady's alluding to. But I think so much of that, guys, has to do with quarterback play that we've seen this year. And again, I know he's talking more holistically about the NFL and like the state of it right now. I'm talking specifically this year, but Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. Joe Burrow gets hurt. Josh Allen doesn't look the same way. Kirk Cousins gets hurt. I mean, we could go down the list of injuries but outside of Mahomes Lamar maybe we'll throw Dak and and Trevor Lawrence in there CJ Stroud's playing great there's really not really dominant exciting quarter oh Jalen Hurts obviously is in the mix but there just doesn't seem to be as many exciting quarterbacks to watch this year whether it's because of injuries or play well, and that, that's where I think back months ago we had a conversation about the CC said the golden age of quarterbacks, and I think we then had that conversation about is it because it's top heavy or is it because it's deep? And I think it's definitely top heavy. And then when you look at some of the guys who are starting at quarterback this weekend in the NFL, mm-hmm. Tim Boyle, Mac Jones, Ooh. DTR, Kenny, and, and by the way, some of these teams may have bias. So just in general, right? D, uh, DTR, Kenny Pickett. Um, Gardner Minshew, Will Levis, AOC, Aiden O'Connell. I mean, this is not Sam Howell, Tommy DeVito, right? I mean, I'm sorry we got to put Minnesota's quarterback on there, right? I mean, Josh Dobbs, we have to put him on there. Jordan Love, I know, had a great game last week, but hasn't been great. Justin Fields hasn't been great. I mean, Derek Carr, they're hoping gets cleared. Mm-hmm. Desmond Ritter is back, baby, for, oh for Atlanta. Oh right? my God. Baker Mayfield's been somewhat of a savior, as crazy as that sounds for Tampa. Right? I mean, Bryce Young hasn't been great for Carolina. We know that. The Seahawks may have to go with Drew Locke. Stafford's been banged up. They were talking about going with Carson Wentz. And then, okay, Kyler Murray's back. Like, maybe it's a golden age. But if it is, it's top-heavy. It's not because of the depth at that position. All right, coming up. We will have our most unsportsmanlike moment of the day, but I'm just giving you a tease and a warning on this. This may be one of the – this was almost the greatest play in the history of the NFL. This was almost the greatest play in the history of the NFL. But before we get to that, CeCe has O, O, O. O'Reilly. Auto parts. There you go. Yeah. There you go. When you need auto parts, O'ReillyAuto.com is just a click away. They offer convenient options for you to get your parts quickly. Order online at O'ReillyAuto.com and pick up for free at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. You can also have your parts delivered right to your door with free shipping on most orders over $35. Get your order fast with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Visit O'ReillyAuto.com today. O-O-O-O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Let's get a close-up of Small. She's got her J-Lo going today. Wow. Why? Because I have hoops? You're the one who said it. Yeah. You walked in and you said, I got my Shelly from the block, as in Michelle. I said your name right, Finally. Finally. Yeah, I guess it is a little J-Lo today. High, hair, high hair half back. pony, the hoops. I've got the Evan Cohen going on with the hoodie, <laughs> leather jacket combo. <laughs> All right, unsportsmanlike moment of the day. Something different, something weird, something you don't necessarily see often. I told you that I think that this is potentially would have been the greatest play in the history of the NFL if it came to fruition. Last night, Monday Night Football, the Philadelphia Eagles obviously beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Chiefs are driving downfield, and there's no timeouts left for them. So Patrick Mahomes has to spike the ball. Well, CeCe's favorite player in the NFL, Jalen Carter, did something last night, and somehow it almost worked that I got to be honest, I have never personally seen before. He tried to intercept a spike by diving underneath the center's legs, reaching out his hands almost like you're like on a slip and slide, basically. And he actually prevented Mahomes from throwing the ball directly on the ground. I believe it hit his hands and then popped back up, but there was nobody there to catch that. I have never seen something like that. So before we fully react to this, I do want to add on a question to this. The most, the QB most likely to have a spike intercepted is who? The QB that you'd think would screw this up that actually could have a spike intercepted, who would it be? Jameis Winston. <laughs> that is a good answer. That's that the is best a good answer. answer. I, Why did your mind go there immediately, CC? I mean, he's, he's trick-or-treat Jameis, right? I mean, he was the first 30-for-30 30 30 quarterback we've seen in the modern NFL. So, I don't know. It just when you, when you think of turnovers, you think of Jameis Winston. It just pops into your head. So I was going to go Zach Wilson because doesn't that feel so tremendously New York Jets? I know that it he's does. not going to be the, the quarterback moving forward, but it just feels like in, a, in an organization that has the butt fumble that they would be the ones to get it done. That his career ends with an intercepted <laughs> yeah. spike, which Absolutely. is just amazing. CeCe, you played on the defensive line for 11 years. Have you ever seen anything like this? Were you ever coached to do anything like this? Did you guys ever come up with anything like this ever? No, nobody would even think to do something like this. This this doesn't come into your head to try to intercept the snap just because it's one of those plays that's happening. Usually when offenses are snapping, it, it's frenetic. Things are moving fast. Nobody would think, hey, I'm going to dive underneath the center, in between the center's legs and try to catch the spike that the quarterback is throwing into the turf. Nobody thinks about that. Pat Costello? The obvious answer is Josh Allen. And he's going to keep his interception streak alive (laughs) with a spiked interception. That would be amazing. That's a good one. That would be amazing. 
that the ball just bounces up and it hits somebody else. I mean, this is – I hope people are watching this on the ESPNU side. We could um, – you could just search Jalen Carter uh, spike on the internet, and I'm sure you're going to find this. It is truly remarkable. He dives underneath the center. Creed Humphrey, I believe, is the center there. His legs – and he really almost catches the spike. And I love that he did it because he saw it on YouTube. Some high school kids do it. So he saw it on YouTube on the internet and decided to try it in a game. By the way, that takes me to another thing. I've never understood why a spike is not intentional grounding. Has, can anyone under, explain that to me? Why would a spike not be intentional grounding? It is if they hesitate, but it's just a rule. But if, if you, like, fake it and then spike it, it is intentional grounding. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, it, to me, that's just something, I don't know, I've always thought about. It. The other thing, um, so Travis Kelsey spoke to the Wall Street Journal before this game. I don't know if it was directly before the game, but, you know, he's got this back and forth now with Aaron Rodgers, the Mr. Pfizer comments and everything like that from Pat McAfee. Um, well, Travis Kelsey said Tuesdays are now Aaron Rodgers game days. Because Tuesdays are the days he speaks to McAfee, and since he doesn't play <laughs> football, that now his comeback, Aaron Rodgers game days, are Tuesdays. CeCe, your initial reaction was to laugh. Is it too harsh, or is it too perfect? No, it's accurate. That, that's what it is. Like, Aaron Rodgers lives for these moments. I keep telling you guys how self-absorbed this dude is. He loves the sound of his old voice. He thinks he's the smartest one in the room. And the Pat McAfee show is a soft place to land to display – his his believed acumen. So I just, yeah, I, I think it's absolutely accurate that this is what Aaron Rodgers lives for right now because we're not going to pay a lot of attention to him on Sundays because actual games are happening and he's not in them. Small, too perfect? or he's I'm with CeCe. He's not wrong here. That's when we're talking about Aaron Rodgers is the comments that he makes with our teammate Pat McAfee, not because of what he's doing on the field. So he's not wrong there, and it's kind of the perfect comeback. All right, I got a last-minute entry also for unsportsmanlike moment of the day. Jim Harbaugh, okay? So Jim Harbaugh meets with the media yesterday, and Jim Harbaugh is obviously embattled with all of the controversy around the suspension and his team, people wondering, are they in disarray? Are they okay? Well, he thinks his team right now is in one piece, all right? That they are in one piece. Now, Jim Harbaugh yesterday gave an interesting comparison to when he was describing the fact that his team was in one piece. It's like the Ted Lasso show, you know? Um Believe. And what comes out of that is believe. And I'm just so proud. Just so proud of our team. Despite that noise, our locker room's in one piece. And uh, you know, like Ted, for me, locker rooms, a lot like my mom's bathing suits. I'd like to see them in one piece. <laughs> I mean, just brilliance. I love it. Harbaugh. That's hilarious. That's hilarious and unsettling and uncomfortable at the same time. All right, Ev, we got to get our bet of the night in. Go ahead. You ready for that? Yes, sir. ESPN. All bet. right. So we're going to go into the association. We got Cavs, Sixers, and I'm going with this special, this beauty on ESPN bet. Joel Embiid, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen each to have over one and a half blocks. So all three of those guys having multi-block games. Two of those guys are averaging over one and a half blocks a game. And then the other guy, Jared Allen, had five blocks uh, two games ago against the Denver Nuggets. We're on to it. That's plus 900. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. 
Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.